the United States of America is called a Christian nation. Christian nation. Christian nation. It's time for a moment of clarity with your host, Pastor Richard Dietering. Let us pray that this nation does come to a moment of clarity. Faith, faith, faith. politics, politics, history, history, and current events. Current events. Now, your host, Pastor Rick. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but in the meantime, I'm Derek Stone with a moment on sports part one. The Michigan Wolverines men's basketball team demolished the Nebraska Cornhuskers 102-67 this past Tuesday. Terrence Williams scored 22 points, nine of which came behind the three-point line, and four of his teammates, Brandon Johns, Caleb Houston, Hunter Dickinson, and Eli Brooks, also scored in double figures. Johns tallied 20 points on six made field goals and six successful free throws. Houston buried four three-pointers and accumulated 16 points. Dickinson racked up 15 points, and Brooks started off ice cold but was able to knock down a pair of trays on his way to a total of 10 points. The Wolverines outscored the Cornhuskers by a whopping 30 points at the three-point line. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And good afternoon. Pastor Rick here. Uh, we'll be joined here momentarily with my co-host, Ed Bondarenka. He had to take care of some other business, but he will be joining us. And uh, across the glass from me, yes, I'm in studio today. Um, across, across the glass from me, Derek Stone. And uh, he's got some great curling news, I bet. I could lose this bet because I didn't ask him about this before the show, but I'm going to ask him anyways. Anything going on with curling? Yeah, Australia has a mixed doubles team that is on the verge of becoming their first team to ever qualify for the Winter Olympics. They're one win away from qualifying. Oh, well, that's exciting. Get the land down under up here, pushing the the stone across the ice up up yonder. <laughs> so, actually, that's that's pretty exciting. I would like to see what they do. Um, so there's a lot going on today. The phone number, if you want to get involved with the conversation, is 734-822-1600. And we look forward to your input to the conversation. The first thing I want to talk about, and this is for my friends out there that are Roman Catholic, I'm not going to pick on you today. I just found some interesting stuff uh, put out by the Pope and thought we'd start out our discussion there. From an evangelical point of view, um, it, what he said sounds rather strange to me. Apparently, uh, sins of sins of the flesh not that bad. Um, I guess I guess that's acceptable. I remember as a kid, sins of the flesh uh, of 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 the sexual mindset was was considered a mortal sin, and now it's uh, now it's not that bad. And, and that strange noise you just heard in the background was my co-host Ed Bondrecker. How you doing, Ed? Fine. Here goes another one. There we go. Now I got the mic right. Yeah. So now so, I'm back. <laughs> yeah. Um, so in the Catholic Church, uh, there was an archbishop in France who was having what he would call um, a relationship with with a woman, 
Um, even though it wasn't fully a sexual relationship, it was still, on his mind, considering on the line of adultery. So the Sixth Commandment right now, according to the Pope, is breaking the Sixth Commandment is not a, a big deal. Um, so there's, there's much worse things out there, according to Pope, such as racism and, and uh, some of the social justice issues. Uh, now, here's my question about this Pope. I've heard him come out uh, kind of ha- iffy on abortion, and especially with some of the people he's talked to. Mm-hmm. Um, I've heard him come out uh, promoting the, the uh, same-sex marriages and homosexuality within the church. I've heard him now saying sins of the flesh in general are eh, not so bad. Um, well, given, given, you know, there's a scale, all right? There's a scale of, you know, pure living to climate change. And sins of the flesh are below climate change. Yeah. Okay. Uh, so this is, I, I see the head of the largest Christian body in the world today, the Roman Catholic Church, condoning sin in so many different ways. And my curiosity is why, and why, why aren't the congregants of the church speaking up against this when they're, they're very, they're, they're most holy leader of the church, the, the Bishop of Rome, the Pope, is starting cond- to condone sin after sin after sin as, ah, it's not too bad, not too serious. Good Catholics that I know will tell me, eh, it's the Pope. You know, they're more concerned about their local parish. As long as their local parish is okay, they can overlook the head of the whole organization. Now, as far as he said something about extramarital sex from what I was reading also, and that that's not such a big deal. But sex within the confines of marriage is a symbol of something else, isn't it? You, you're the you're the pastor. You tell me what what's the symbol of something to do with the the marriage of the lamb. <laughs> the marriage of the lamb. Yeah, yeah. Mar- marriage is to be taken. And, and now in the Roman Catholic Church, if you are a priest or a bishop, you you are married to the church. This is this is their concept. Of why they brought in celibacy, celibacy and everything else, and and it goes along with that. And technically, according to the Pope and this Archbishop, he violated the sixth commandment: adultery. Now, in their heart, they have violated the sin. And he's saying breaking a commandment is not a big deal. You see where I'm going with this? Mm-hmm. It, because sin, is, sin comes from the heart, right? It's in the heart. And in their heart, if he feels he's committed adultery, and the Pope says, yeah, he's committed adultery, how can you go against one of the big ten? <laughs> yeah, well, here's, if you don't mind. Go ahead. Here's the analogy I was just thinking of. And that was that uh, we, in a political sense, we look at the Constitution as bedrock. That's what all law should be based on. And the left does not. It's a living document. It can be whatever they want it to be. They can make any changes on the fly without even changing it. They can just interpret it differently or ignore it altogether. And in the Christian realm, the Constitution is the Holy Word of God, the Bible. It's, it's, it's what he inspired. It's the rules. It's, it's what he said. It's our Constitution, and everything should flow from it. But when you have a liberal leftist church organization that says, 
Yeah, but he didn't really mean well, that. I, and I'm going to say this in full defense of the Roman Catholic Church. The Roman Catholic Church is not one that I would normally have put into the liberal camp, as I would some of the... Well, not, not the whole church. church but the Pope exactly. is extremely yes, liberal. You're right. And, and they've brought in this extremely liberal leader, but it, it took the cardinals to do that, by the way, mm-hmm. to put him in. It took the, the cardinals to put him in. It wasn't just, he just didn't step in and take it by force. After doing such a wonderful job on the previous pope, you know? How, did, how does things go south so fast? Um, well, so right now we have, we have a Roman Catholic on the phone. I'm, I'm going to tell you right now, I do know for a fact he doesn't speak for all Roman Catholics, but he does speak for himself. And so it's good to get a view of, of somebody of the Roman Catholic Church on this. Go ahead, Joe. Yes, thank you. Oh, wow, did you get my blood boiling now? You know uh, that I coined the hashtag on Twitter, Pope, And I've said it over and over till I'm blue in the face. This guy is more a communist than a Catholic. He's more interested in peddling communism than Catholicism. And he, I think in regard to these things now where he's going down, I think he's more of the mindset of some bad priests we have, and this alludes to what Ed was saying, as long as my church has got it right, because there's a lot of bad ones out there too, as long as they have butts in the pews and money coming into the plate is what matters. And it's like, come back and be part of the Catholic club. We're no longer really a church of God. And, you know, the, the, the whole word stuff, eh, whatever, we take it or leave it. Just come hang out at the church, be part of the club. All right, Joe, I've got a question here since I have you on the phone, and this is this is something I've had conversations. As you know, um, as a younger man, I grew up in the Catholic Church. I was an altar boy, had a fantastic priest. Um, I have no complaints against him. I had no no bad bad issues with, with my priest. Actually, he was a very godly man. Yeah, he didn't come on to you uh, in the confessional uh, no, like mine no. did. Yeah. Um, but uh, the, one, the one stance that the Roman Catholic Church has always claimed is that they go right back in lineage to Peter. They, they, they're, yeah, you know, they have this, this connection, and that the Catholic Church is, is the one thing where they're unified in thought and concept, which is going against everything that you and Ed just said. By the way, is that the, the argument was is that they, they go back and date back to the original church, and therefore have unification no matter where you go in the world. And yet, I'm finding out that the rules in Canada are different for the priests than the rules in the United States and the rules in South America and the rules in Rome and the rules in France. For example, down in parts of South America, if you're a married deacon, they have such a shortage of priests, you can become a priest. Uh, in the United States, if you're an ex-Anglican and you convert over to Catholicism, you can bring your wife over with you and still be a married priest. And in Canada, you don't get either of those. And guess what? So all these rules are different from different states and different countries, and different now we find out uh, individual churches, as long as their church is doing it right. Yeah, Yeah. their parishes. Where's the unification that the Roman Catholic Church was once able to boast before this pope? Because right now I see no unification within the Catholic Church. 
I see more divisions in the Catholic Church right now than I do in most of the Protestant churches. Yeah, I think you're right, unfortunately. That, that's true, but... Because uh, there's just... There's so many people now, we are more of the world, and people are wanting... Uh, I'm going to switch to, like, Dr. Judy Jasser is looking to reform Islam. I, there's a lot of people who still think that Christianity needs some reform and some loosening of things. Yeah, and, we tried that in the 1500s. <laughs> but not everybody would go along with it. <laughs> right. I mean, it, it's so no, I, bound to keep these splinters. I, I don't see them getting any better. They're only going to get worse, sadly. But, you know, yeah, I might be able to be convinced. So, you know, a church, uh, a priest being married, how horrible would that be? I actually, that actually, that, didn't, that came in late in the Catholic deal. Church. That, that that rule came late in the Catholic Church. That was not the original concept. And they'll tell you the reason they brought it in is for property ownership rights, is so that uh, the the Catholic Church could maintain the ownership of the properties of the priest. Is Otherwise, what, the priest would die and he'd go to his wife? Yeah, if the priest would die, it would go to his wife, whereas if the priest dies now, it goes back to the church. So, I mean, there, there's all that involved. But... but it, you said something, and I was kind of trying to go there by the different rules based on the different different lands that you live in. It seems like the, the Roman Catholic Church has gone way into the humanist movement. Whatever tickles the ears and makes that society feel good, they jump into that, and it's not about God anymore. It's about social justice. Do we... Do we fight for social justice and the politics and everything else. It's, it's not about God anymore, is it? No, I agree, and that's why I say there's so many, there will continue to be so many splinters, because it's, for far too many, it's about keeping the plate getting full when it's passed, rather than actually speaking the Word of God. Unfortunately, and that's, I mean, there are churches that are willing to support the slaughter of innocent, unborn children. But that's I mean, what bingo is for. That's you've been waiting what, the whole time to, to jump in on that line, haven't Okay, sorry. Um, no, I, I will, I used to look back, and I'm not going back that far and say, hey, if we want to look how to fight abortion, if we want to look at who's really stepping up to the plate, we've got to look at the Roman Catholics because they were the forerunners in stepping up to the plate to fight abortion. But then when you got a pope that comes out and is starting to make very light of it mm -hmm. and uh, condoning what, what the church considers a sacrament, part of their salvation, the communion, and saying, no, Nancy Pelosi should get it, <laughs> you know? Um, that, 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 yeah, I... I those brave priests that say that if Biden showed up to hit their churches, they would refuse him communion. He should be refused communion. He should be excommunicated from the church. Pelosi, Biden, et al., they are, again, going back to the, my point on the Pope, they are leftists first, and everything else is just not even remotely a secondary consideration, unless if they can twist it and use it for their leftist political agenda, like tinyurl.com, some twist Jesus' words. 
I mean, I got a whole article on that. They left twist everything, including the Bible, including children's stories. Robin Hood. He did not steal from the rich and give to the poor. He took it from the sheriff, who was confiscating it from the peasants on behalf of the state of the king, and returned those stolen things. Back to the people. Okay, thanks a lot, Joe, uh, and I appreciate it, and I understand your passion on, on social justice and how it's not, and he's right, Joe is right, it's not biblical. I, I can show the, it's antithetical to, to what Scripture has to say, and I would have that debate with anyone who want, challenges me on it, on is social justice, is it biblical? And I, I, and I really feel they're going to lose it if they take a look at the Bible as the Word of God. You know. Now, speaking of biblical, are you guys coming to the Christmas party? I'm, I'm, I'm on board. I'm on board. <laughs> That's good, okay, because I haven't heard back from you email-wise. So, well, I, I, uh, I thought I told you on phone. I, if you give me the ticket, I'm, I'm there. Well, I sent you guys the ticket via email. I leave it to you and Ed to coordinate who all is filling the eight seats for the WAM table. Oh, my goodness, that is that what that you. email meant? Oh, you're leaving mm-hmm. it up to... Why would you do that to us? <laughs> <laughs> well, I was hoping that you two, Phil, Ron, Bruce, Derek, and Brandon... You just left uh, that up to two married men to make this decision? <laughs> my wife is my social <laughs> coordinator. And then that would leave an eighth seat. Or, or tell Theron to kick up some cash. I have learned, I've learned in my life... Never to ask Theron to kick up cash. Everybody else from Lampton uh, I've learned this in life. I don't tell Pharaoh anything, because he has educated me in so many different ways. I don't need any more lessons. <laughs> All right. Well, love you, brothers. Take love care. You. God bless. And yeah, oh, man, when you mentioned the Pope, my blood pressure immediately just... <sighs> Bye-bye. <laughs> Later. Are we responsible for Joe's health? Is that the problem with... So no, I, we need to do? I, I do not take responsibility for okay. his health or anybody else's. I take responsibility for my own health, and uh, I'm not doing a good job with that. So don't make me responsible of anybody else's. So if if you're Roman Catholic, and, and I mean this sincerely, I'm, I'm not trying to pick on the Roman Catholic Church here as much as I'm trying to understand how the congregations can take a look at their leader of their church, the Pope, who used to be somebody who they revered, uh, and I mean... That's where the word reverend comes from. Um, how do how do members of the Catholic Church I think look at the church now that they have a pope that's like this in office? Here's the here's the deal. To quote somebody who's senile and, and demented, but uh, the the church is not a democracy. The people in the parish churches they don't even get to choose their priest. No. Okay, so he's kind of put on them. If they get a good one, fine. If they don't like them, they move to another parish. You know, there is that democracy of feet there. But pursuing that, they don't get to choose the cardinal. They, they don't have a representative republic like, like, you know, America. So they really have very little choice in who's the pope. And I think they see that disconnect. And so if they're good with their local parish, they're good with their local priest, or they can find one that they're good with, then they'll stay. If not, like a friend of mine uh, put on Facebook in a message to me a while back, not in response to this, but he says, you know what, I, one of the reasons I stay away from Sunday church, I know he's a Catholic, is all the hypocrites there, abortion-supporting Dems, power-hungry, glitchy BS. 
I would figure all that would be there, not be there. The pastor battles us all the time, but uh, not not enough. And so, you know, so this guy well, voted with his feet. He won't, he won't, he's forsaking the assembly of himself together, as is the habit of some, to paraphrase. Yeah, and, and that's a shame, because we're told not to forsake, well, if you believe in the Bible, we're told not mm-hmm. to forsake the assembly. Right. So my question is out there, if you're Roman Catholic and you want to respond to this, I am curious, what keeps you going? What keeps you, I, I can tell you what my mom would say, and I'll say that for the next half, why she keeps going and why she's still involved with the Catholic Church, and it's not to do with this Pope, but in the end, I still see her having the same problem that I'm putting out to everyone else, is what they constitute as the leader of their church going against everything that they have been taught in their catechism, which in the Catholic Church you know has as much strength as Scripture, uh, according to the Council of Trent, Sacred tradition, which is the catechism, is equal with with Scripture. That's the Council of Trent. I just discovered recently they've renamed the catechism. It's it's a different course now, RCIA or something like that. It's a it's it's a whole course of what we would consider Bible study for uh, Catholics. Mm-hmm. So the. You, they don't call it the catechism. They don't anymore. call it the catechism anymore. Yeah, it's, they got modern it, on us and, and left us behind. Yeah. Well, they keep getting too modern, and I can no longer, as long as I have see the head of the Roman Catholic Church playing fast and loose with sin, saying, oh, some sins are, you know, I, I, I understand you had the venial sins and the mortal sins in the Catholic Church, some are better, but when you start stating that sins of the flesh, which the Catholic Church used to be always construed as a mortal sin, right down to um, by-yourself stuff... Uh, <laughs> Uh, to now state that sins of the flesh are eh, not as bad, not as bad as some of them, you know? Yeah. It's hey. interesting. I have a, a friend that I, I read his blog. It's William Briggs. We've had, I've had him on my show a few times. I'm hoping to get him on again shortly because he just wrote another book. And uh, it's, people really don't want to give up their Saturday afternoons to come on the radio, it seems. So anyways, he's— We're just strange, yeah. you and I. And he's a Catholic— and he's he's a strong Catholic. He's 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 right there. But at the same time, he's been forced to stay out of his pa- uh, parish church. When he was at uh, in one parish, he's moved to another now. But they basically disinvited him. It's a problem with him because he really does believe that the Catholic Church is the one true church, and he must attend. And yet, they don't make it a welcoming place for him. And there's a there's a blog post somebody wrote into him recently and says. Uh, uh, the wife and I started going through in-person RCIA classes at a local Roman Catholic parish when they started in the fall. I'm struggling with some of the attitudes of the church, particularly as it relates to COVID and the Eucharist, and it goes on. And so, you know, this, this guy says, Bill or William Riggs, uh, Matt, Matt Riggs says, uh, stick with it. After all, given the church was started on the command of our Lord, we don't have much choice. Now, so that's what informs some people. They're, they're, they I feel met, they have to stay there. I met at a tea party rally oh, years ago, back when they still were fighting at a gr- grassroots level for really getting the right people in office. Um, I met uh, Tom Monahan's brother. Very much a Roman Catholic, uh, but he is—he's he, very anti-social justice. Roman Catholic, good, very anti-social, and he—he he found it very wrong that the church was going in this. Now he's more of the type that would say, "Let's go be go 
back before Vatican II, <laughs> you know? Oh, uh, okay. Let's Latin, stay with Latin. Like Latin mass and everything else. But That's he wants popular. to go back. Oh, yes. But he wants to go back further saying, hey, let's knock this social justice out of the ballpark, which means he's going back before 1790s in, in his belief of where the church should be. So Joe mentioned the Reformation. You know, the church needs to be reformed, and I, I just flippantly says, well, we tried that in the 1500s and see how that went with the Catholic Church. Council of Trent was actually meant to be a, a, a reform within the church, try to meet the Protestants, and, and instead they just dug their feet in deeper at that point and rather than trying to find common ground. But now the church is going extremely liberal extremely liberal. I mean, moving away from Scripture completely. We'll be back after these messages. That's the music, folks, and uh, we'll see you on the other side. Pastor Rick will be joining you momentarily, but once again, I'm Derek Stone with another moment on sports. The Heisman Trophy presentation will take place tonight at 8 o'clock. Quarterbacks Bryce Young, Kenny Pickett, and C.J. Stroud are three of the four finalists. Young completed 68% of his passes for 4,322 yards and 43 touchdowns for Alabama. Pickett was accurate with his throws 67% of the time. That amassed 4,319 yards and 42 touchdowns as a member of Pittsburgh, and Ohio State receivers caught 71% of Stroud's tosses for 3,862 yards and 38 touchdowns. The other finalist is Michigan Wolverines defensive end Aiden Hutchinson, who registered 14 sacks and 73 QB pressures. Now here's your Moment of Clarity host, Pastor Rick Dietering. And we're back. So we started out the first half of the show talking about some of the uh, some of the closing of the eyes of the current pope against what is the Bible calls sin. And um, my curiosity has been how do Roman Catholics really adapt to this? How how are they grabbing a hold of it? Uh, we had one caller who mentioned about all the liberals coming into the church and everything else. Um, and is, is this where the, church, the Roman Catholic Church is going? Now, I want to make it clear right now. I'm going to say this very clear. I'm not one of these evangelicals that believe that only people that believe the way I do is going to heaven. I think there's going to be a lot of Roman Catholics in heaven. They have a very solid relationship with Christ. And, um, and, and through their love of Christ, and they know what Christ has done for them on the cross, I believe there's going to be Catholics in heaven. So I'm not trying to attack the individuals or anything else. My curiosity is more of when you have a, the leader of the church coming out through this, uh, what do you say? Some of the stuff that the Roman Catholic Church does, I can understand because of their end times beliefs, what's going to happen at the end, end of times, that the earth is going to get destroyed, and uh, 
they don't they don't believe in the rapture as the evangelicals they don't believe in the millennium as we do and therefore they have a different responsibility of what happens with the earth but they've jumped on the whole green initiative big time um as far as church leadership i know this isn't the case for everybody within the roman catholic church but uh well, we, we've got a friend on the phone who wants to talk about climate change as part of the Catholic Church teaching. Uh, we'll go to Mike. How you doing, Mike? How you guys doing? I was raised uh, a Catholic in Flint, Michigan, at a place called uh, All Saints. And I'm an artist, and I remember seeing all the beautiful sculptures and all the beautiful uh, uh, stained glass windows in those Catholic churches. Mm-hmm. You know, you know when when uh, the secularists buy these Catholic churches, they get rid of all of that. You know what I'm saying? Yep. Uh, uh, so I, I have to give uh, due to uh, Powers Catholic and Flint because they adopted some of that stuff from uh, our church before it was converted over. But uh, you know, my big question is, are the secularists trying to make this climate thing a, uh, a competing religion? What do you guys think? Uh, let me answer to you. Let me give you, I was just talking to Ed about this before the show. Uh, just a few years ago, matter of fact, I talked, last time I talked about this was when uh, Linda had her show and uh, brought it out, is that the United States government, I can't speak for the whole world, but the United States government was giving money to churches that would um, uphold green initiative values. Uh, and they put out books by each religion, Islam on, on climate change, Christianity on climate change, and all these books were being brought out by liberal parts of the ch- each church because they would get money from the government. And so I think part of the drive for churches to do this is for financial gain. And I think it's now turned into a tickle-the-ear, it sounds like a good thing that we're doing, it sounds like we're trying to protect the world, without really doing the research and knowing what these green initiatives do actually is destroy. They've been convinced of a lie, and so they jump on board. It's not just the Catholic Church that's doing this, though. I find this in a lot of different churches where they jump towards this far-left view of of, uh, global warming, and they, they believe they're doing something good, but they just haven't done the homework. Um, I, I don't think it's just secularism in itself. Well, I, should, I do believe it's strictly secularism sneaking in as humanism within each of the churches that grab a hold of this. Did that All help? All right, let's go back, let's go back to the, the Garden of Eden. Was there any climate change in the Garden of Eden? when God decided to uh, expel Adam and Eve out of the Garden of Eden. Yeah, that was man-made climate change. That's where I agree in man-made climate change. When man and when man fell, uh, he, he caused climate to change. We all of a sudden started getting tornadoes and hurricanes and everything else, and, and snow. Yeah. <laughs> Rick wants to thank you for that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Uh, that's my favorite. Yes, I believe man-made fi- climate change is when man fell. Do I believe that man has any control over climate right now and what they're doing any more than have already fallen into a sinful nature? No, I don't. We just recently had a, a, a 
volcano in Iceland put more carbon into the air than mankind did in its total existence, even if you go with the long Earth scenario, it put more carbon in the air than mankind did in the total existence, and the Earth healed from it. But my, you know, my ultimate question is, don't you think the, the secularists and the communists would love to make this climate a, uh, a religion that yes. usurps Catholicism? Yes, I do. And I think it is a religion. And I think that there are faiths out there that have welcomed in this false religion into their church. I believe that they allowed the wolf in sheep's clothing to come into their church. And I think that... What's the bigger sin? The bigger sin in the Ten Commandments is not uh, a sin against the flesh. It's a sin against you-know-who-what. Let me uh, get now, now. Now I'm going to give you a view from a more evangelical. I asked Ed to pull this verse up about which sin is worse or which sin is not. Let, let's just see what the Bible says about that. You want to read that book from uh, James? Yeah, it's James chapter 2. starts with verse 8. If you really fulfill the royal law according to the scripture, you shall love your neighbor as yourself. You do well, but if you show partiality, you commit sin and are convicted by the law as transgressors. For whoever shall keep the whole law and yet stumbles in one point, he is guilty of all. For he who said, do not commit adultery, also said, do not murder. Now, if you do not commit adultery, but you do murder, you have become a transgressor of the law. So speak, and so do, as those who will be judged by the law of liberty. For judgment is without mercy to the one who has shown no mercy. Mercy triumphs over judgment. And what James is saying there is sin is sin. If you break one, you broke them all. Whether you, you have broken uh, the rule of adultery or broken the rule of murder, whatever, you've transgressed the law. The law is a, a single entity. And if you break one, you're guilty of breaking that package, the law, all across the board. So to no. me, I have no. I, I don't jump on the board I, I, of different levels of sin. I believe if you break one, you've broken them all. The greatest sin, as far as I'm, I have learned, is the sin to have no other God than the number one God. I agree. That's a, that's a horrendous sin, having a, the wrong God. Um, and, and that is rejection. If you do not accept the current God, you have rejected. That is the one sin where I think every, every Christian denomination can agree. If you reject the true God, that is the, that is the unpardonable sin, if you're not able to believe in the true God. So in that, I will agree with that. But Hey, guys, thanks for the conversation. I love your show, and uh, you guys have a good weekend. Man. Hey, love you too, and thank you for calling. And let's take, uh, well, we got enough time to take both of these calls, um, and we got more lining up. So to the callers, please please realize we have other callers that want to be heard from also. I'll take them in the order that they came. Walter, how you doing, my friend? Hello, I'm doing good, doing good. You guys are saying some good stuff this morning, but this is my view of Roman Catholicism. I'm all right with Roman Catholicism, Unless they add to grace, works, you know, hail, hail Mary, Jim Carrey, hail Harry, all the other, uh, okay, don't say that at the services, but uh, all no, the they other don't. rituals, <laughs> rights, rules, regulations. Any 
anybody or any per- person that claims to be Christian, whether it be Catholicism, other denominations, if you add to grace, shed blood of Jesus Christ, the simplicity of the gospel, death, burial, resurrection of Christ for the forgiveness of our sins. If you're saying that your rules, rituals, rights, regulations, and other things you must add to grace in order to be saved, you know what Apostle Paul would call you? False gospel, another gospel. That's right. Let let them be eternally damned who frustrate the gospel. Add any rule, right, ritual, good works. Don't shout me down, Catholics. Good works. It's not going to get you in heaven. You know, and, and that was just real quick, just real quick to put put in there, is that's the, one of the big, bigger difference between between the, the Protestant and the Roman Catholic Church, is the Protestant Church believes that salvation itself is what produces good works, whereas the Catholic Church says, no, you must do the good works as part of your salvation. So the difference is, is one is adding on what you have to do for salvation, and the other one says, no, salvation produces it's called sanctification. Show me your faith by your works. Yep. It's, as long as we're well, in the book of James. Yep. Remember John the Baptist, Matthew 3, 8. Yeah, we're good friends. I remember him well. The Sadducees, the religious people, who say, you need to bring forth proofs proving that you are, you're, you're uh, genuine. Bring forth fruit worthy of repentance. Yep. That's kind of lacking in the Christian church today, but let me say one more time. I got to go. You know, to kick me off of here? Yeah, I got a lot of callers you know I mean? lined up. All oh, they just works before salvation. You got the apostolics that teach that, too. Yeah. Apostolic Jesus only won this movement. You can have good works and buzz hell wide open. That's right. I said it. I'm out of here. All right. <laughs> he's oh, always before, a... Before I could argue with him, he's out of there. He signs off, you know? I mean, good thing I agreed with him. Yeah. I agreed with everything he just said. Pretty much, yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. Well, it depends on how, how we look at each different words. Is it Christmas right. already? Look at all yeah. those lights. Hey, Gary. How you doing, Gary? Hey, gentlemen. Yeah, um, as far as I know, uh, Rick, correct me if I'm wrong, but if you're a Catholic and you speak against or opposite of what the Scripture says, that makes you a heretic. And if you're a heretic, you can be excommunicated. So the cardinals should all excommunicate the Pope. Yeah, well, let me... Uh, you're not that far... <laughs> well... There's more to it involved with that, but let, let me put it this way. is The Roman Catholic Church is now trying to, at least here in this country, is now trying to get their congregations to read the Bible more. But understand, no, no, let me finish, though. However, if you read their books and, and that they have for them studying Bible, in one of the books I have that I received from a friend of mine down in Georgia when I went into a Bible study with them, and they were Catholics having Bible study, is in the end, the only one who can tell you what that actually means is the magistrate, which is the priestly well, it's body. A big secret then? Yeah. Everybody so, should be able to know exactly where they stand with the Scripture and with the Lord at every moment. They shouldn't have to second-guess what I, they believe based on what the Pope says. I, I I agree with you, which is why I'm not Roman Catholic anymore. But there are those that are in the Catholic Church that still believe this, and I, I would agree that the Christian Church in general needs some strong reformation. Mm-hmm. And uh, Protestant and Protestant and Catholic, and and I'm not talking about the Reformation 
movement as in within the Presbyterian Church because they've gone way to the left. I think the church in the world today needs a major reformation that takes them back to Scripture. Boy, that's what we call persecution. Yeah. Yeah, that's, it, could, it could happen. Yeah. And, and there can be a, a, a real argument made, and uh, no offense to anybody, that the Catholics violate commandments at every Mass. So they, they really have to read their Scripture and figure out what they're supposed to do and not do. Well, you remember, you remember Pastor Max, don't you? Of course. Yeah, a lovely man. He he went to a funeral once, and I and I don't want to make light of this, but he went to a funeral and he was looking at all the graven images, all the statues, which yes. the 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 Protestants have a real problem with this, and all around. And um, he, he after the service, he walked up to the priest and he pointed at an idol or at a statue. And he says, "You know, behind every by behind every idol is a demon." No doubt. <laughs> and, hey, and walked out. The next guy on. You guys take it easy. Bye. All right. Hey, if I might. Go ahead. Uh, there's a there's a broadcaster named Al Crest who's on another channel, another station. He used to be on WMUZ. And I heard him more and more when I'd listen to him in the afternoon sometimes, uh, sounding more and more Catholic. And one day I just asked him on air, I said, Al, have you gone Catholic? And that's when he broke the news that he was now a Catholic. And he continued on. And I said, well, so you go for... Oh, if you make nine First Fridays with communion in a row, then you're guaranteed to go into heaven. He says, oh, no, no. Well, you believe in purgatory. Oh, no, 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 no. I said, well, you believe in it. And I named off some of the others. And he says, oh, no, no, those are just parochial um, traditions. Those are not real real doctrine of the Catholic Church. I says, oh, really? Two weeks later, I went to a debate that he hosted, and there are two literature— there are two guys who are Protestant and a priest— we're going to talk about which tradition most looked like first-century Christianity. And I'll tell you, that priest got up there, and he said, Oh, no, we believe in praying to the Virgin Mary. We believe in uh, Nine First Fridays. We believe in all those things. The that catechism said, supports it. Yeah. Right down to if you read the catechism, you find out if you die wearing a scapula. Now, you and I know mm-hmm. what that is. It's two ribbons with a cloth picture on, on front and back. Mm-hmm. And if you die with a scapula then you are guaranteed to be out of purgatory by the following Saturday. So if you die at 11.59 in your time zone, <laughs> I guess it's time zone, yeah, yeah. then the following Saturday would be one minute away. You spend one minute in purgatory. Problem is, is in the 66 books of the Bible, you don't get a picture of purgatory. You've got to go to the the additional writings that they later... It, in the 15th century adopted in as canonical. The closest we see to purgatory in the Bible, and I mentioned this at a Bible study in which I have some Catholics, right. and I mentioned Abraham's bosom. And they said, well, that's where they got purgatory from. I said, well, that's where they got it from. That doesn't mean there is a purgatory. Actually, just, it's not where they got it from. They'll recognize that as Hades. They actually get that, uh, the purgatory concept, I believe it's from Second Maccabees, Okay, um, where it talks about this other land. No, Abraham's bosom, uh, we believe half of that's empty. Now, now, yeah, yeah. So, with with that online, and, I, and again, I'm I'm more interested in with the Catholic Church going so far to the left. How are the congregations taking this? I mean, when I say far to the left, I'm not just talking about social justice. I'm talking about bringing in homosexuality, especially and and especially with the problems they had with some of the priests. And the boys and everything else is now downplaying the sexu- that sexuality. 
What do you do? Um, we got two callers on. Uh, let's take one of them right now, and then we'll say hello to Phil Starjo if we have time. Hey, Phil, I'm sorry I wasn't able to get you on, but we're going to have to take the second call because if I don't take this one, I'm going to pay for it. Gaylene. <laughs> you know, you make everybody think I'm mean to you, and I take such good care of you. You need to back off on it. Hey, you're in a bad area, Gaylene. You're in a really rough area. Oh, can you hear me better now? I can hear you better now. Don't move. Okay, I'm not moving. But, you know, I, you keep telling people that I mean. You know what I'm going to do. I'm going to pray for you. <laughs> he trembles. He trembles when I mention your name. It's visible. There you go. That's cool. Hey, you know, I, I just kind of want to... Slowly, slowly. Because this is very important. I believe that there are upright, righteous, saved Catholics out there, and I think that they need to be putting pressure on their on their on the entire uh, on their entire upline to remove this. Galene, I'm going to cut you off because you're really bad, but I caught enough to where I'm going to translate to the audience what you just said. I agree. They need the really the, the, those Christ loving. Christ accepting Roman Catholics need to really push the upline and the rest of the congregation to keep things going in the right direction. This is where you start getting a reformation in the church. Mm-hmm. Is it's going to take members of the church to get involved, and it's going to take prayer, and it's going to take God on their side. So they better be moving towards God's will to do this. Or at least pray that they're doing God's will of taking the. God gave us sixty-six books in the Bible um, that that we can all agree on, and. If that is the Word of God, that needs to be the model of the church. And yet, in the Council of Trent, they have declared that sacred tradition is equal to Scripture. And there, therein lies, if you're Roman Catholic, you have to accept that sacred tradition. The one your friend said, oh, no, I don't believe in that. No, that has been declared to be as divinely inspired by the Roman Catholic Church as Scripture itself. And that's where we're at. So... Where is the Roman Catholic tradition that homosexuality, global warming, sins of the flesh? And folks, if you read what Peter and Paul have to say, in the end, it all starts on the inside with the heart, and uh, all sins start from the inside. They're all fleshly in ways. Mm -hmm. Um, I know what the Pope was trying to say is sexual sins aren't as bad as others. Well... There's a lot of reasons why I disagree with that, too. And one is the Bible verse you just read. Yeah. We are to try to stray. Luckily, we have a Lord that loves us enough. When we ask him for forgiveness of those sins, he will forgive. That's the whole purpose of the cross, was to die for our sins. Yeah. Can't argue with that. I mean, that, 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 to, to, and then, of course, lead us to a, a reconnection with God through the first step, is the the sins getting rid of the sin issue, and then the second is so that he can be, we can be part of his body. I'm kind of bummed that Phil hung up because I was going to let him say hello, mm. uh, but uh, he's been trying to Skype in. Has he? Yeah, yeah. Hasn't been working well. Oh, well, we've been folks, and I hope you're faring out in this uh, windstorm today. Um, it's uh, it's caused me. I had to reset my clock a number of times today before coming into studio because the power would go off, then back on, then back off, and um, I, when I left, it was flickering off. Hopefully, I don't have to go and 
rewire the house to a generator. But uh, so, how's your wife doing at her home? You got you have a generator. Do you have a Generac? No, no, no. I have a I have my Y two K generator from nineteen ninety nine. Okay. And it's still running strong. It's a five K generator. It's out in the shed. I've got it wired it patched into the house and I flick off the mains and back feed a panel. And my wife asked me to do that even though we had power. She said, Just in case we lose it and I can continue vacuuming the house while you're gone. I said, Deal. Yeah, well now here's something for you folks. And just so you know, in our township I saw saw somebody post on our township page. They had a Generac, whole home generator that someone stole from their backyard. Oh, my goodness. So if they're willing to go and disconnect a whole Generac and steal it, there are yeah. people out there that will steal your generators when you're not looking. Um, so make sure you chain your generators down or something to just make it harder. I mean... That's why I wire mine at 240 when and they become the ground. I, as long as I know to disconnect that wire, yeah, you know, everything's well, you, fine. Well, you live di- dangerously. <laughs> Point is, is a lock keeps an honest man honest, and a dishonest man is going to go by the lock. Just make it, I'm saying, make it more difficult for the dishonest man. Yeah. Um, don't kill him. On that, <laughs> folks, have a blessed day. Love each and every one of you, and we'll see you next week on A Moment of Clarity. been listening to a moment of clarity on wham talk 1600 with your host pastor richard Dietering. be sure to tune in again next week right here on wham radio 